I have some news for y'all today. I mean, do I ever come not bearing news? I don't think so. Guess what? You aren't the only ones ditching Netflix's ass and not looking back. <laughs> okay. So we have, so this is bound to be a very interesting conversation because I have with me a very successful Hollywood actress. She starred in an award-winning Netflix series. See the tie? See, it all comes together in the end, right? You may have seen her on Modern Family, on New Girl. She was even in the movie, We Are Your Friends, with my buddy pal, Zach Efron. Buddy pal, I'll explain that later, okay? Yeah, stay on the edge of your seats for that one. So here with me is Kelsey foremost. Like yours truly, Kelsey has been, or she was in Hollywood for over a decade, and she kind of left that world and is or isn't, you know, looking back in hindsight with a whole new view. So now after stepping away, she hosts the podcast, Find Your Magic. She's all about, she's an expert in you know, marketing yourself for entrepreneurs, finding your voice, but not being like sleazy and tacky about it, right? Like doing it. And she's one successful biatch, okay? Because she spoke, she spoke, you know, at all these things. She spoke at South by, she's won awards, and she's even writing a memoir. Before we hopped on, she said that she's an open book, pun intended. Shit's about to get real. Kelsey Foremost. Welcome to Cancel Me, baby. Literally, if you're not watching, she's doing like, speaking of Netflix, she's doing these like cheerleading moves. Your varsity <laughs> team is shaking. The show cheer, which I ha actually haven't even watched. Kelsey, what a time. What a time to be alive, Taylor. What a time Thank you for to having alive. me. So here's how I roll on this show. And before we hop into things, first of all, I appreciate you even coming on, willing to, you know, air it all out. Um, speaking of air it out, though, I would, you know, be remiss if I didn't talk, kick this off with a new partner of mine. Kelsey, I don't know about you. Are you straight? I am. Okay. You're, Cause you know, you never know these days and you know, got to put it out there. Is there anything hotter than a guy who like takes care of himself? And like when his nuts are nice and maintained, like, I know that's so out of left field, but <laughs> is it well, you know what? There's nothing worse than the opposite. So yeah. <laughs> Case in point. So with that said, Everybody go to myhappynuts.com, girls for your guys, guys for your balls. Okay, 10% off with the code cancel me, baby. You can thank Kelsey and I, all right, we put it <laughs> out there and that is that on that. So Kelsey, you talk about the toxicity of Hollywood. Let's, let's like talk about kind of where it started and this sort of the desperation, shut up and be grateful, stand oh. in line for this audition, do what you can, you know, at any yeah. cost. Yeah. Talk about that. Oh man. So much to unpack. Here we go. It's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. Everybody mm -hmm. get ready. Mm -hmm. So let's start at the very beginning. Like Maria Von Trapp says a very good place to start. Um, so I actually had a social anxiety disorder when I was a kid and my parents in their infinite wisdom, I guess they just thought sink or swim. We're going to put our kid with social anxiety in a theater production, put her on stage, see how that goes. 
And I hated it at first. I absolutely just froze and I had stomach aches and it was awful. And then one day it was an audition day and I had to sing in front of everybody and just my jaw opened and a voice that was not mine seemed to come out of my body. And it was the very first time that I ever felt safe having feelings in front of other people. So the beginnings of my relationship with acting and with theater were extremely positive there, which I think is why it's so confusing later in life for a lot of not just actors, but creative people in general, when the toxicity, as you said, of the business and the lifestyle starts to obscure that initial spark of what's actually really beautiful and magical. I want to just pause you right there because I actually yeah. have this in my library of notes um, yeah. because I think like even reading about your story, you are open about the fact that many actors, oddly enough, because I feel like we put them on such a pedestal. They're these like mm -hmm. plasticky, perfect, everybody knows their name and the fame and they seem so perfect. But I saw this working in Hollywood as well, being on movie sets, interviewing them. So many are so socially awkward. And it's so yeah. interesting that they, I came to learn stories where to what you're saying, they oddly enough found home yeah. and comfort on a stage where they're not being judged, where they can actually almost not be themselves, be somebody I was gonna say, else. Yeah. They're not and being judged because they're not them. They're, isn't some, that, they're a character. It's yeah. It's so interesting. Yet we, you know, I, I don't know if you've met Aubrey Plaza. That's an example I remember in real life. And she is kind of quirky on screen, but so introverted, awkward, yeah. not sure how to navigate. You know, I mentioned the Zac Efron thing before epitome of like the Greek God thing. I interviewed mm -hmm. him on the carpet for Baywatch asking about body insecurities. You would think it's like Zac Efron. He's like, no, I can lift an elephant with my pinky finger. He's like, no, of <laughs> course I'm insecure. I'm, I'm pumping. Right. Yet we have mm -hmm. this public thing where they're just perfect and untouchable. And that dichotomy yeah. is so fascinating. It is. And I hope that it's changing. I think with the arrival of social media, we're able to, there's the potential for people who are put in positions like that to pull the curtain back and to be more honest and to tell the truth about what life is really like. And I don't know about it, but I would assume that if you're listening to something called cancel me, baby, you probably feel similarly, but I crave that kind of content. I crave knowing the truth. Um, I respect people and like them more when I see the behind the scenes rather than the shiny, you know, magazine version of themselves. Well, oddly enough, I feel like we're in a time where it's never been more fake. I mean, we mm. have teen girls. I mean, the rate of wanting to you know, hurt plastic themselves, first plastic yeah. surgery. Right. But then mm -hmm. at the same time, it's this thing of what you're saying, but with that aspect of it, I've talked about this on my show. It's also annoying when the A-list of the A-list almost like try to be relatable because we're like, bitch, you are not <laughs> us. Like talk to me when you wait in line for five hours at the DMV. Right. Oh my so God. Yes. That's like a whole other thing too. It's like, can they win? you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very fair question. That is a very, very fair question. Like, what do you, how can you be relatable when no one can relate to your experience, and which must the, be a really lonely place. And, and because you are really finding your footing in 
not only identity, but entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurship and finding your voice Mm -hmm. later. I want to talk about like womanhood because I feel like our identity as a whole is it's a whole clusterfuck, like mishmash mess, but to get back to this in your story, before we like move forward to the toxicity and like your experience of like, just shut up and do it and be grateful. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit more, um, to the behind the scenes, like, was there an actor, someone you worked with again, that idea of like, they're this perfect person. And then in real life, it's like, oh my God, they're actually really shy or they're introverted or they're, they're anxiety ridden or whatever it is. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. So I actually, the first thing that comes to mind, well, two things immediately come to mind, two people immediately come to mind. Um, Ty Burrell, who plays Phil Dunphy on Modern Family, um, could not have met a nicer, more personable guy. And just, he was talking to all of us on set, like even the people who are only extras and didn't even have lines. He was like really mindfully taking time to actually have almost these like mini conversations with people. And it was impossible to miss. And I just thought like, wow, that's, that's really, really special. And I wonder if he's like that all the time. And I remember learning later that he actually had been on something like seven failed pilots and he had been waiting for his break for decades. And he was a theater nerd and he, Modern Family was his first real big hit. Um, He'd been waiting in the wings forever. And that was when he was well into his forties, I believe. And so Mm. when someone when they have that sort of street cred, right? Like they had the struggle and now they're getting to do the thing. And they, I feel like those people can really, really, it it goes one of two ways. Either they become total a-holes and they Mm -hmm. just like treat other people like they were treated and just are total jerks or the, the pendulum swings the other way. And they're like, so nice to the crew Mm -hmm. and to the extras and to the people who have to stay on set for eight more hours than they do. Like people don't realize crew, my God, the crew are the unsung heroes of every single thing that you ever watch in your entire life. Like these are the people who get there like literally eight hours before you to set everything up, to get the lights right, to prepare everything. And then they're there breaking everything down well after the actors leave. Anyway, I have such respect for girls. Sidebar on that, Kelsey, is funny enough when the whole Will Smith Oscar thing went down and he got away with, you know, assaulting Chris Rock on stage. I had said at the time on my show, imagine if that were like a makeup artist or a crew person, like they're the unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that it's like that Hollywood privilege, like if that, if, if like a crew person ran up and did that, the security would drag their ass out so fast. It's not even funny. So it's those, you know, like that hierarchy of Hollywood is real like in our lives oh, yeah. as does the peasants and that yeah inside it so but totally. yes fame is a currency fame is the currency that is king um not just in hollywood i think in life really look at I now mean, everyone yeah. wants to just be you hear kids remember like when we were growing up it was like i want to be an astronaut i want to be like how i, I want to be a cowboy now they're literally like i want to be an influencer oh yeah no that's actually the number one answer like when learn kids a are fucking asked skill they- <laughs> learn a fucking skill bitch like 
<laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But it also makes complete sense because that's what they're presented with. Right. Like yeah. that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, okay. Back to Ty, because I've met him and I watched your scene with him. Very, very funny. Aww, I, I watched your scene and, and it's true. I, I met him on a carpet. And so like, he had like a beard going on and was like, so yes, definitely down. Earth. Yeah, no, he was wonderful. And then the second person, and this story is public knowledge. So I feel okay. Sharing it. Okay. Um, Wes Bentley who was in, we are your friends. And okay. So this is a story that I'm telling in my memoir that I have never told anywhere. So you heard it here first on cancel me baby. So I was kind of nervous. You know, this was my first really, really big stars that I was working with. Um, and I was in the van. So the set that we were working on for the day for, we are your friends was this gorgeous mansion, like tucked away in the Hills that you had to get to up by going up this really precarious, like one lane road, which anybody who's ever been in LA knows exactly what I'm talking about. And they're just these bajillion dollar homes, but you have to like almost hike to them. Um, and avoid all the Teslas on your way <laughs> with like glass walls and yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So because it was a really precarious house to get to, there was only one van that was running from base camp, which was at the bottom of the hill up to the house because there was no parking. So it was just like actors get in the van, drop them off at the house. Actors get in the van, drop them off at the house. And usually when someone is fancy and famous, they get their own car. Um, but Wes decided that he was going to get in the car into the van with me. And there were a couple other crew members in the van. And so we were just sitting next to each other in the back of this, like dusty ass white Ford van, (laughs) you know, it was not fancy. And we had like a good 10 minute ride going up to the house. So at first it's quiet and, um, I didn't really want to start the conversation because I was like, I'm sure he probably, you know, wants his privacy, whatever. And he started the conversation and he was like, so like, how long have you been acting? How long have you been in LA? And he just like immediately made it okay to be like a normal human. And we get to talking and he's in his costume already. We we are already in our costumes and he is wearing, and this is, you can see it in the movie, but so this is a little Easter egg for y'all. He's wearing this necklace that has, it looks like a little pendant. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a fun necklace. Is that yours? Or is, was that from wardrobe? And he goes, oh, this is definitely from wardrobe. This is actually a, a gold plated Xanax. And I was like, oh, that's really funny for the character. And he was like, yeah, it was actually a little hard for me to put on. Cause you know, I'm, I'm in recovery. And I was just like, what? Like, I just couldn't believe that he'd said that. Um, and he not, we didn't get into it like really deep, but we were talking about life in New York. We were both theater kids. Um, and then he got really famous with American beauty yeah. and then he sort of fell off the map for a while. And what I didn't realize and what I didn't know was that it was because he had struggled with substance and he just sort of like said it, like it was not a big deal in the moment. And I was just like, damn, like I fucking love this guy. Like, I love this guy. Um, and he was, 
he just like kind of hinted at like, yeah, I had to really rebuild, you know, my first marriage didn't work out in New York. And now I'm really like committed and I'm really excited to be here. And I'm really happy to be here doing what I love. And it was such an important turning point for me, not just as an actor, but as a person, because I was like, oh, this person who I assumed had quote unquote made it really had to fight tooth and nail with their mental health before they could like continue to do their creative work that they loved. And I just have to this day, just so much respect, um, for him and for that moment and how like beautifully he handled it. It was, it was really special. It was a really special moment. You know, I can, I knew I had a feeling we were going to have a lot of parallel stories, you know, we're around the same age. We were in Hollywood around the same time. So this is pretty wild. Like I said earlier, everything is full circle. I can actually totally attest to that. So funny and not like, this is very weird, but I've interviewed, literally I've interviewed everybody from Chris Pratt to Oprah to, you know, you name it. People always ask me, as I'm sure they ask you, like, who's the best person you were and who's the worst, right? Mm-hmm. And whenever people ask me who's the best person I've ever interviewed, Wes comes in my mind. But I never mm. say him because to your point, he's a little bit under the radar. So I'll say, you know, Michael Douglas, Danny DeVito, whatever people, someone yeah. will know. And it's so crazy that you say that story because I interviewed him at Disney at the Burbank headquarters. I talk about Disney all the time and how they're like monsters and I'm afraid like oh. actually really Corella personified. So they know it well, um, yeah. but um, he just, it's Kelsey, you're going to laugh. I literally left that interview. He was just so warm and cool it always is the first like I said that sticks out of my mind when I left Burbank and in my car I literally googled like is Wes Bentley married and it said (laughs) he was I was genuinely crushed I was like well I'm never I'm gonna die and not and this is it like he had that sort of just real charisma and so it's crazy that you say that because to Mm -hmm. this day uh yeah you know yeah yeah that's really awesome. genuine person. Yeah. And I think it, I think that, um, yeah. it comes from a place of, I think uh, it's interesting when you meet, cause there are a lot of people in recovery and acting in Hollywood and the creative business. And they're always my favorite people. They're always my favorite people to work with. And they're always my favorite people in general, even now in my more entrepreneurial, like, yeah. uh, world, because, they understand like people who have gone through recovery, they understand how powerless we are over things that are out of our control. I was just going to say that. I think it's the day by day. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have anxiety and when I'm in my bouts, you know, people helping me will often compare it to people in recovery going literally don't think about a week, a month, a year, think about today. And it forces you to kind of have that presence and that power of being, you know, grounded and being like, I can do this today. Right. Yes. So yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So it's funny. Cause when you were telling your West Bentley story, you were like, we're in the back of a car. I know that you have some sketchy me too microaggression <sighs> stories. Okay. We're going to get to that because I, these are themes I talk about all the time on my show. Um, yeah. but first, so to finish this off with, again, kind of like doing something at any cost. So this yes. Netflix tie Here's kind of a funny 
view into that, which we can both attest to, I'm sure. So I don't know if you saw this, but there was a reality TV show contestant on a Netflix show. I don't know which one, like a love dating show. And he's suing, this just came out, you know, this week, he's suing Netflix because of poor conditions, right? Like not feeding them long hours, serving alcohol. And I posted to my story being like, okay, this is making it in Hollywood, baby. Like this is me covering the Grammys. Literally, I would be out there on a red carpet for nine hours and they would serve us like a potato chip. I'm like this, like you need to like roll when with the roll out. That's exactly right. Like when you're not <laughs> expecting it and, you, and then you're like, oh, this is not what you see on television. Exactly. <laughs> on television is the highly edited, like exactly together, tiny itty bitty pieces of like hours and hours and hours of footage. It sounds so glamorous, right? Like, oh, you you're on modern family. You're on new girl. You're you did this, that, and the other thing. Like you did off Broadway, whatever. And it's like, what they don't see is, as you said, the getting up at five in the morning in New York city to go stand in a non-equity line in the icy rain in the middle of winter to literally finally have the door open at 9am. So that's four hours of waiting in sleet to be told they're not seeing non-union people that day. Like, and that was the norm that was expected. Like exactly. It's, yeah. It goes into that, like, be grateful thing. Right. So like, even mm -hmm. my experience as a red carpet reporter, I'd be on the, like the, say the uh, Grammys red carpet. And I'd be in this like gown that someone lent to me and styled me for, and I would have to go like piss in a porta potty, you know, yeah. in the parking lot. Right. Yes, but it's that yes. idea of, do you know how many people would kill to be just to be there, Taylor? So Kelsey talk about that idea of like, mm. you know, so many people, Kelsey, would kill to be doing this. And is there anything that you regret doing mm. because of that mindset? Oh my God, a hundred percent. So, well, first of all, let's talk about it. I call it the devil wears Prada, uh, the devil wears Prada moment where everyone's like, oh, a million girls would kill for this job, right? Yes. A million girls would kill for this opportunity. Yes. And just kind of piggybacking on what we were just saying, like this guy is suing Netflix for these conditions because he's not used to them. Right. But when you are a career actor, you are trained, like you are mentally, emotionally, physically broken down in such a way, almost like, I mean, not to compare what we do like the military, but in a sense, it's like your whole life is this boot camp, right? Like you are completely conditioned to not say anything and to not be quote problematic or a bitch or a diva, because then they literally will not call you. Like they will not give you auditions anymore. You will not get an agent. Like there are very real consequences. It's not like you can, it's, I want people to understand that the reason that it's like, if you think about, if you've ever watched a documentary about a cult, right? They all say it's like this slow eroding of your sense of self so that when the crazy shit is happening, you're so used to being in that state that you don't see it as weird. Like, but if you came off the street and you saw this cult and you didn't have those 10 years of being conditioned to think this is normal, mm -hmm. you'd be like, holy fuck, call the police, like sue them. Right. It's, so important to understand that there are very real consequences for especially women 
who speak out, not just in the moment, like to the people in power, but even like to your friends, even to contacts, because Mm -hmm. then someone might use that against you like Mm -hmm. a year later. It's so fucked up. You're absolutely right. I mean, my listeners know this and I wrote, you know, a high profile op-ed in USA Today about it last year. But when I, I used to be a writer in New York City at VH1 and I wrote a piece calling out Christy Teigen for Twitter bullying, which my piece last year was like in hindsight, I was right knowing what we know now, Mm. but it became this whole public spectacle where she came after me and everyone at the company, even friends of mine ganged up on me and even friends, not, I don't want to say ganged up. It seems like I'm not, I'm not at all a victim in it. And I totally stand by it to this day. And even at the time I was like, no, fuck this. Like I wrote it for a reason. And everybody, even friends of mine were like, just Taylor, just, just take it down. Just like, don't say anything. Just keep your head down and apologize. It's like that sort of heard scrambling, scared, like everybody's scared all the time. And it's like, for what? Also, I love how you made the military comparison because in my head, I'm like, ding, 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 that's a cancelable moment to make people be like, did this bitch just compare Hollywood elite to the military? (laughs) And also you are writing this memoir. So I'm curious, is with everything you're saying right now, even though you've stepped out of the business, like, you know, that the, the reach that it has, like I mentioned Disney before, and these fuckers still like keep, I like sleep with one eye open. Right. So yeah. Is there a part of you that is finding yourself holding back, writing your memoir, almost in fear of people in Hollywood, judging you, isolating you, even though you're not in it anymore, like, or canceling you, so to speak. Right. Like, do you find yourself checking yourself being like, do I put all this in there? Cause their reach is so immense. Um, I don't, I really don't because Good. for you, you shouldn't for because, what, again, for what, like, well, yeah, exactly. For what? And here's why the memoir is about my personal experience. And I know my personal experience. I know what happened to me. And I've done a lot of work really acknowledging in the first place, like this was (laughs) abusive. It was, it was abusive. And I think the reason I'm really not scared is because a lot of the stories I'm telling, they aren't gonna be the giant Harvey Weinstein like reveals there are lots of small moments and lots of small microaggressions as you said that really built up over time to a breaking point and that is what's so complicated about the entertainment industry is that and honestly like probably a lot of industries especially for women and female identifying people it (laughs) there's no, like, how do you report that person gives me bad vibes? How do you report that? How do you deal with that? Right. How do you report or get justice for like this person Mm -hmm. giving me a a look, right? Like are you going to name names in the book? I don't know yet. I don't know yet because I, I want, I'm of two minds. Like I want it to be about my experience and I want people to see themselves in the experience rather than having it be like a sensationalized defamation of someone specific. I don't want people to focus on who I'm talking about. I want them to focus on the feeling that they get when they read the Mm -hmm. story, Mm -hmm. right? So the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. 
right Mm -hmm. now their names are in it because it's, you know, I have to, for, to keep myself straight in the stories, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Let's talk about the microaggressions and all of these experiences you have that you said that have built up over time, because here's where it gets really complicated, right? Is, you know, now the pendulum swinging so far with Hollywood going so far and trying to clean up their mess. Oh, I don't think that's true. So I don't think that's true. Okay. I don't think they're going far at all. I think that they're like doing a lot of PR. (laughs) I don't think they're actually changing. Well, that too, but here's an example. And actually uh, yet again, all roads lead to and from Netflix, right? So (laughs) I don't know if you heard about this, but here's a prime example where I feel like it's almost gone so far that we've blurred the line of what is not okay. What's unacceptable. And again, it gets very muddled because to your point, there are some instances where it's like, this is just yuck, but he didn't openly drug and assault me like a Bill Cosby, right? Correct. So here's mm-hmm. on the other end of it. So I don't know if you heard about this. Frank Langella, iconic actor, I think Oscar winner is like literally 105 years old. Okay. So he's on a <laughs> yeah. Netflix set and he's in a scene with his on screen woman, partner, wife, right? Mm-hmm. And he in the scene touches her leg. Like I think by her knee touches her leg. Mm -hmm. He ends up getting fired because that wasn't prearranged with the intimacy coordinator and it wasn't blocked. So Mm. that I thought was absurd because I'm like, you're an, you're an actor. Like you're an actor. Like how do actors be in the moment and act if you're also supposed to be a robot? So that's what I mean of going so far of that's what I mean about like covering their mess. And it's like acting, I feel is supposed to capture the human experience. So is totally. it sucking human nature? Now it's gone so far sucking human nature out of that to where mm. if you touch, if you touch a young lady's leg in a scene, you're, <laughs> you're cut pal, you're, you're done by. And apparently also Kelsey, um, it was real. He wrote a piece, I think a deadline explaining what happened. Of course, there's mm. two sides to every story, but he ends up explaining like, you know, the actress complained and Netflix wouldn't have a word with me. No one would, they just fired me. Wouldn't even give a chance to like, you know, speak or redeem myself. That is where I think it's gone. Far. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that change is messy change is very messy. Um, I think I I haven't read that story, so I can't speak to that specific story. I can only sort of have my own personal reaction to it. And I think separate from the story you just told, there are so few instances where that I can think of where I've heard of someone coming to the leaders or the powers that be and saying, Hey, I'm uncomfortable. And they're actually being a consequence. So I think that they're again, like totally separate from the story you just told. I don't know what happened, but it's, I think there's great value in, um, seeing changes being made for real and seeing consequences happen again, not necessarily for that specific story, but there's so few, like, I really can't think of any, it's aside from like huge takedowns, 
right? Where, where a woman would come forward, say, but do you think, cause I feel like now, like with this aforementioned story, mm-hmm. Hollywood like goes out of its way. So do you think that that, I know it might be tough cause you haven't, you've stepped out of it, but I wonder if that's still true. Because again, I I've heard stories of them being like, we don't even want to hide cause we don't want to be accused. Cause that first accusation, you know, now it's like the other extreme, like where you're dropped or fired or wherever. So I wonder if that's still the case to where there's no repercussions or follow through. Well, here's know. the thing. Cause like, okay, we're hearing about this particular story because it's Frank Langella because he's very famous and it's a Netflix show and it's a big deal, right? What we don't hear about, I guarantee you is the per- people like us, women like us who are on a random show that they're it's maybe their first or second show it's a smaller role they're a day player and someone who isn't famous but who is a more powerful actor who's higher up on the call sheet puts their hand on their leg and maybe not on set maybe it's in the green room or whatever and they're uncomfortable they're not coming forward and if they do they're certainly not getting attention in the media about it like my point being we talk about we talk about the big stories we talk about the things because they're famous right and we and the reason that is is it's a very human reason we can identify with people because we've followed their career for a long time and we're like oh i i love frank langella from you know him being the villain in this uh I, I'm, I can see it, the movie and I'm the name of the movie. I know, I, I know, I, I can, I forget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. you, you follow actors for their career. And the reason that all of this, the reason that Hollywood is a particularly touchy place is because we feel like we know these people because we've watched them. They've been in our homes with us on our screens. Right. right? And so we feel a particular emotional attachment to them. That's why we're so devastated. We can't watch house of cards anymore because of Kevin Spacey. Like it's devastating. And so even American beauty, like even American beauty, that's right. Same. And you know, to your point about it, having to be this big sensationalized thing to get our attention. It's sad, Mm. but I feel like that speaks to our culture at large When you think about it, you know, Hollywood and me too aside, think about even, you know, the violence and the shootings. I feel like it takes, they're happening now, what, multiple times a day, they barely get coverage and it takes something as huge as like a Uvalde to get our attention. And it's so sad. And I think it just speaks to everything just being so, it's like, we've lost sensitivity to everything. Everything is so, we're so numb and it has to be so over sensationalized to rock us and get our attention. And even then we forget two seconds later and move on. And it's very sad. It is, which is why like this, like telling these stories is so important to me because it's the day to day. Yes. The antidote for this is to seek out similar stories to yours and to continually come back to that sticking place, that tent pole within yourself of like, I know who I am. I know what my values are. I know what my personal experience is. And I trust my gut. I trust my intuition that this was not a good situation. And it's a good thing I got myself out of it. Like 
that's, that is Thank the key you. to me, you know, hundred I've been an advocate for this. And I feel like this is even something that is politically incorrect, but that a lot of women feel, and you see so many women, even like reaching me publicly, privately saying, thank you for speaking up about it. Because I think there's also a level, and I'm going to be honest, where people get pissed off because there's almost this underlying narrative of women being these like frail, little scared sheep and not having the power to step up and say, Hey buddy, back off. And so that's another line. Like, listen, if someone says, and this is where Hollywood needed to clean up its mess, like saying Mm -hmm. to a girl up and coming, whoever it is, you know, you need to suck my dick to get the role. And what you planet that NASA galaxy far away discovery, is that okay? Right. Like that's not okay. Um, But even there comes a, there comes a point to where, and it's happened so in so many like high profile me too stories that have come up to where it's like, okay, listen, it's never okay. But at what point do we look at, Hey, where the woman has full confidence and responsibility and going, Nope, not for me, pal. Sorry. Mm -hmm. No, you know? And having that self-assurance as well. Yeah. It really all comes back to having the tools in the first place, separate from the career, like separate from the acting career, separate from the career in tech. Like this is very, this is not unique to Hollywood. Like that's the other thing I'm seeing it a lot in the tech world. Like tech pros it's, oh yeah, absolutely. It is so hard to be a woman in STEM. Like it's the boys club and the keeping things hush hush and the NDAs, like it is absolutely far reaching well beyond Hollywood. Hollywood just happens to be the one that gets our attention because again, like it's what we see. We feel like we know these people who are having these falls from grace. We don't know about, you know, Joe Schmo CEO, who's who's got multiple sexual harassment claims on him and who has paid out 10 NDAs to various secretaries or whatever it is. Like we just never hear about it, but that culture absolutely exists in other career paths. And so that's why it's so important that what you're doing and what I'm trying to do and to keep telling these stories and being like, you're not crazy you're not crazy. You should report or you should get out of the situation. Like, you know, try to figure out who you are and build a support system around you so that people can't take advantage of you. That is the foundation. You know, here's a, tell me like anything more Hollywood than this. And I want to hear some of your examples of like the sketchy, how do I even report this? Because is this an actual, like, concrete thing, right. That whole thing. So it was right before the pandemic. Maybe it was actually even during when shit was starting to get shut down. And I was working at a Starbucks in Sherman Oaks where I lived Mm -hmm. and this guy I'm working on my, you know, editing and doing all my stuff. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, Oh, I have this production company. I'm working with so-and-so and -and -and so-and-so like you're so talented and great. And me being a tri-state bitch, I'm always like, yeah, okay, pal. Like, again, it's that kind of like back off attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I'm like, you know what? You never know. So to make a long story short, I, he gives off the red flags immediately that yeah. his, he is so ill-intentioned, like disgusting. He starts texting me and I have, you know, a business partner that I've worked with, you know, since the beginning of time who helps me oversee things. So I start saying to him, you know, I need my advisor here involved. He starts texting me. What does he need to be involved? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Immediately. I was like, this is disgusting. In what mm-hmm. world of business and professionalism does this? fly blocked him never spoke again and funny enough this like even you know younger than I am this girl in my complex she's like so I met this guy at a Starbucks I was like girl run it was the same guy but she didn't have that self-assurance and she's like I don't know da 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 and it's it's like that kind of thing where you have to just be like no bitch and put them in their place and and like let their well run dry because yeah let the well run dry. Ooh, I love that Taylor. Let their well run dry. I mean, I think (laughs) that's a part of it because so much, and I was in Hollywood when me too first exploded, I was on that red carpet with the black dresses. And I heard time and time again, again, that idea of like, even what you just said, like the boys club and the onus being on the men and all this. And yes, like we need to raise men to be good, respectful men. But at the same time, I think we need women to have what we're talking about putting your foot down and being like no because when their well runs dry they're left with their nuts in their hand right so (laughs) it's like which they can clean with uh what was the happy nuts everybody (laughs) kelsey uh, marketing genius Uh, did i lie did i lie marketing genius so you know i think they go hand in hand but yeah talk to me about some of those things where you're like it's it's it wouldn't necessarily be as explosive or big but it's not right Yeah. I mean, immediately a story comes to mind of uh, this happened to a friend, not to me, but, Mm -hmm. um, we, again, in a Starbucks, um, she beautiful, beautiful woman and, uh, we're the same age and someone came up to her and was like, are you an actor or are you a model? And she was both. And she said, yes. And he was like, I have, um, an agency, like, can I buy your coffee? And can I chat with you for a minute? Like no problem. And it was very, very much like, um, meek, nice guy energy. Right. So she says, okay, she has some time. Um, and they sit down They're across from each other again, seemingly very safe. Um, they talk for 10 minutes or so. It seems again, very normal. Um, he gives her his card. They exchange Mm -hmm. numbers and then he says, I know I'm not supposed to ask this, but all right, everybody, I'm going to stop you right there because as it turned out, we turned this bitch into a two-parter because it was so good. I couldn't stop myself or my panties. So with that being said, hang on to your balls, hopefully coated with happy nuts. And we are going to get to part to soon. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss it. So stay tuned for part two with Kelsey Foremost.